What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. I'm Kelly Evans, host of CNBC's The Exchange, and here's what's on my mind. Can the Fed afford to raise rates? I don't mean can the Fed afford the risk of rate hikes that might slow the economy. I mean literally, can the Fed afford to raise interest rates? It's a topic you're starting to hear more about lately, and it's because the Fed's own exposure to interest rates has changed dramatically. Just this morning, Jeffries issued its 2022 macro outlook. The firm's chief economist, Anita Markowska, has been warning for months the Fed is behind the curve. She now thinks they will announce a faster taper next month that will end by March, followed by rate hikes in September and December. Now, we all think about rate hikes as raising costs for households and businesses that borrow money, which they do. But now, the Fed itself is a major borrower. This shift goes back to the financial crisis. In 2008, for the first time, the Fed was allowed to pay interest on other banks' deposits. The point was to incentivize banks to return liquidity to the central bank in order to avoid excessive money growth solely as a result of the temporary injection during the financial crisis, according to the St. Louis Fed. As you can imagine, this has now ballooned to epic proportions post-pandemic. Reserves of depository institutions have soared to $4.2 trillion as of September. The Fed pays 0.15% interest, which not only helps attract deposits, but also helps keep the Fed's target funds rate where it wants it to be, which is currently between zero and a quarter percent. In other words, if the Fed wanted to jack up rates to, say, 5% right now to fight inflation, it would presumably have to raise the rate it's paying on those trillions of reserves by roughly the same amount, or in other words, $210 billion of cost. The only small problem with this is that the Fed doesn't have that much money sitting around. Its net income last year was only $88 billion, as Christopher Russo of the Mercatus Center points out. Long story short, any funds the Fed needs from here on out beyond what it's earning have to ultimately come from taxpayers. And it means that higher rates not only increase the amount of interest each year the U.S. has to pay on our debt, which can squeeze out other spending, but may also have to fund the Fed. Now, you could argue the Fed won't have to raise that much and it won't be enough to put it in the red and so on. But conceptually, there's still been a really big shift. And it's a big size, too. Former IMF official Peter Stella notes that the Fed is also paying out 0.05% on its daily reverse repo operations with banks, which have swelled to roughly $1.5 trillion in size. It pays that rate for the same reason as it does on deposits, to attract funds and keep the target rate where it wants it. So again, if the Fed wants to raise rates, that daily rate on that $1.5 trillion, that has to go up too. All in all, adding it all up, the Fed has gone from being a slight net lender to the U.S. financial system in 2007 to a net borrower of almost $6 trillion. That's roughly 25% of GDP, and it means the Fed itself has probably the single biggest exposure of any global financial player to the impact of rate hikes. Peter Stella would like to see the Fed stop paying interest on reserves and basically have the Treasury pay it instead the usual way by issuing securities that banks can hold on their balance sheet. 
Plus, he argues it's more cost efficient. The Treasury can issue short-term bills at a lower rate than what the Fed is paying out. This blurring of boundaries, he says, is a real dilemma going forward. More than anything, it's a good reminder that hiking rates is a big headache for the Fed right now. They may not be nearly as agile as most people assume. Thanks for listening and be sure to follow The Exchange Podcast and catch our show live weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on CNBC. See you then. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.